Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Face to Face. For those of you that have just started listening, Face to Face is a series of ongoing in-depth conversations with artists and creators around the world opening up about the challenges and insecurities behind their passion. Whether it is dancing in a professional company, choreographing or staging, directing a movie or producing music, I am interested in the drives of these talented minds and how they approach new phases in their life and craft. My guest for today is not only a dear friend of mine, but a bright, multifaceted artist. Her name is Eve-Marie Dalcourt. Eve and I danced side by side for three years in NDT2, the junior company of the renowned Netherlands Dance Theater in The Hague. One year ago, she decided to venture into new territories as a freelance artist, letting go of the structure and stability she relied on during her previous years as a professional dancer. I'm really excited to catch up with her and hear how she's been doing. Hi. Thanks for picking up. Thanks. Yes, of course. Now I hear you. Lovely. Yes. Oh, you didn't hear me? No, not before, but now I do. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Totally. Perfect. Thanks for picking up. Thanks for taking the time to do mm. this, for planning this in your busy schedule. Yeah, my pleasure. Of course. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, um, for the people that are listening and they don't know you, who are you? What are you doing? And where the hell in the world are you right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so my name is Eve Mahidalko, but most people uh, call me Eve or Egg for even uh, people who are closer and have been in NDT with me. Um, and yeah, I'm a freelance artist based in The Hague, but currently I am in Stockholm in Sweden uh, working on uh, a project here. Wow, that's amazing. What are you doing there right now? <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually, this is a new type of work for me because I am setting uh, a piece on the Royal Swedish Ballet. So I'm setting uh, Alexander Ekman's piece uh, called Cacti. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's a piece that I've done in NDT 2 for three years in NDT, in Cacti School, like we like to call it. Um, (laughs) It's an NDT 2 drill. uh, Yeah, absolutely. You got to go by it. But um, we're doing a new version here for 36 dancers instead of 16. So it feels like a new production at the same time. A lot of people to deal with and uh, to coach. <laughs> That's great. It's, it's interesting that you bring up the, um, the aspect of uh, staging a piece. Because I had uh, Christoph over, Christoph Dozi, for um, yes. uh, another interview for the podcast. And he talked in depth about, you know, staging setting a piece and staging and what the difference is with you know a creation so i don't know if people have already listened to that one they they'll understand (laughs) better um but uh, maybe you can say it really quickly um what it what it means to set a piece somewhere that already exists um absolutely um so I guess the pieces were created, obviously, in their own or different various original companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cacti was created on NDT 10 years ago, actually, this year. So it's the 10-year anniversary of Cacti. And um, so it's been done at many occasions within the company, but also the piece has been sold to uh, other companies out there. And so when a company buys one of the pieces, 
um, someone needs to go and teach the material and keep the, um, uh, yeah, the intricacy of the work, the details of the work. Um, and so you pass on the information. So me staging cacti means that I'm teaching everybody all the material and helping Alex um, readapt it for the specific company we're in. Nice. Amazing. Um, and how is that going? Like, do you, it's the first time you're doing it, right? It's the first time. It's amazing. I'm having an awesome time being at the front of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, challenging because it's a very different type of focus. Um, because I need to be managing my rehearsal time, trying to finish on time, um, trying to teach everything that I had planned to teach during that day, teaching the various groups, uh, because there's many different groups within the same phrase, for example, uh, knowing exactly the musicality, knowing every single detail of the body. Um, So knowing that information ahead of time so that when you teach it you can give it directly and then people get the right information in their body right from the start Um, but I'm loving it I'm genuinely loving it I'm so grateful for this opportunity that he's given me and yeah the experience Um, it's it's been really interesting to have that shift and be at the front of the room suddenly Mm -hmm. and with uh, Um, being at the front of the room you mean being not a dancer who is receiving information and getting ready to perform something but you're uh, coaching you're actually teaching that you that's what you mean being in front of the room for people that um, you know don't understand where this comes from so people that you would have at the front of the room would be repetitors or ballet masters or choreographers or um, directors um, of the company. And so uh, little me has now given been given the title of uh, ballet master <laughs> for this ballet, which is quite funny. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I'm used to being uh, a dancer, so in the studio, and now I've for this work, am I on the other side? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You went in one year time, which we will talk about it very shortly. In one year yeah. time, you went from, you know, being a dancer every day to like starting your own things and your own projects into now being officially called ballet master, I guess, yeah. for a, a specific <laughs> amount of time. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, that, that trajectory that I kind of just... Uh, summed up um what did you do before you uh became a freelance dancer you can go back to your education if you want to Mm -hmm. or you can say where you have danced and then how did that you know pathway start to um you know evolve in front of you and which steps did you take or you know i mean we can go more specific as we go on um but yeah i'm just very curious about this shift So I'm originally from Montreal, uh, Canada. So I was trained there for five years at L'École Supérieure de Ballet du Québec. (laughs) And um, one summer I decided uh, to try out and do the NDT summer intensive. Um, And I got chosen and that was already such a big surprise for me and such a big excitement. And so then I went to the intensive and had the best time of my life working with the dancers from the company and doing repertoire that finally felt like uh, I could relate to as a dancer Um, because I was always in between this classical and this contemporary uh, training. 
And I was just very lucky because uh, they happened to be missing a girl. So uh, they a week after the summer intensive, I got a call from the director asking if I could join. With they, you mean the NDT, the company, yes, were missing the, a girl dancer? Yes. We're missing uh, a female dancer, NDT2. So the second company was mm -hmm. missing a female dancer. Um, so they called me and I left school and moved to Holland a month later and did three years with uh, NDT2. Yeah. And uh, at the term of those three years, uh, it was time to move on to something different and took a while to figure out what would be my next path or my next move and um, took a while to figure a, figuring what made me excited um, again about uh, my career and my dance path. And uh, yeah, uh, freelancing showed up as an option. Um, a very scary option at the beginning. Um, but I had a friend who had just a very close friend who had just jumped into it and I was inspired. And I also had uh, work opportunities that were presented. And so I was like, yeah, let's try freelancing. Not to interrupt and, your flow. Sorry, maybe I do. But do you mind elaborating a little bit why, why it felt scary? Or do you want to come back to that later? No, we can talk about it. Um, because first of all, freelancing, um, in my impression or the impression I have from how people have treated it um, in the dance world is that uh, freelancing is um, seen either as a plan B, so something that you do um, if you haven't found a job in a company, or something that you do at the end of your career when you want to transition or when you want a, a chiller schedule type of thing. Um, because it's so, um, so unpredictable, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess it's seen as, um, something that fewer people want to do. Like, I don't know why the, the state of mind is that a, com a contract in a company is the goal. And if you don't have that, then, oh, then you're going to freelance. But, um, I like to s see freelancing as a plan A and just doing, um, what we all like to do as artists, but in a different way for, because we're all different people and we all function in different ways and have different capacities and different way of living our lives and living our work and living our dreams. Um, so I like to see freelancing as just a different option to live our career. Um, I love and, that. <laughs> I know, seriously, I love that uh, instead of, you know, kind of going with, you know, you need to be older to start freelancing, you need to have a lot of experience <laughs> or yeah, you don't, you don't have a job. So I guess I'll start this. I love that you just kind of like, who says I'm too young to start doing this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> who says I should be, you know, without a job for a year before making this decision? Yeah. I mean, I love that you just went for it. Thanks. And I think I like to remind people who are taking that choice that they should be proud of themselves for daring to go there because the scary part is, stays that it is unpredictable. There is beautiful, I'm learning to discover obviously because it's only been a year, but allows beautiful opportunities for many things to happen because there's a lot of versatility and you're really, um, if you're a go-getter, then it allows you to go get because you're in charge of making everything happen. Um, but it is scary because even if you want things to happen, that doesn't mean that it will happen. And so financially it's, 
can be more stable, but it most likely will be sometimes unstable and that can be very scary. Um, and obviously when you're young and you're eager to have be this, have this intensity, um, and not knowing if you will get that intensity from freelancing can be quite scary, you know, because jobs can pop up, uh, a month before a week before, or you can plan it, uh, half a year before you never know what's going to show up. Yeah. So I guess, it's something I need and anybody who goes in freelance world need to learn to let go of this control of knowing because yeah. you don't. Yeah. Wow. That would be incredibly hard for me. I'm such a control <laughs> freak and I need to know, but I have to say it sounds attractive at the same time. I'm like, Oh, you know, like kind of being loose from the framework of an institution and, you know, being on a daily schedule that's mm -hmm. very predictable and, um, you know, everything that's really stable in a way, you know, I mean, I guess the, we have this Dutch expression, like the grass is always greener on mm -hmm. the other side of, of course, the fence. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, now, you know, he, hearing about it, I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, it does sound amazing, <laughs> that sounds but, yeah. but I get, you know, the, the instability and insecurity financially, or even in terms of, you know, being, being busy and fe feeling satisfied that this tricky and talking about that what from your experience now from the last year i mean also what what a year because of you know covid which we will talk about later but yeah. would you say that let's say the financial um kind of mental worry or the the financial situation or the fear of not being busy enough which one kind of weighs more than the other which is the one that you're worried for more? Yeah, I think um, not being busy enough. I mean, they come hand in hand, obviously, because you want to be busy because you want to have money. <laughs> um, but I want to be busy because I want to be, uh, uh, yeah, given, fed. Uh, I want to keep uh, growing because that's my main goal uh, in my career is to keep growing. Um yeah. And, but I've been very, very lucky with the opportunities of I've had this year. Um, already in my first year, I've been busy almost practically yeah. the whole time. So can we talk fun. about that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, in March we did, you know, get a huge hit of, you know, COVID-19 measures and a lot of things being canceled. And, you know, of course, in the, the culture and dance sector that's even more extreme um so i know that a lot of people struggled with that and i'm lucky because i'm in a you mm -hmm. know a luxury position of being you know linked to a company and getting my salary monthly even though we were not able to come in to rehearse and perform with you you just made that shift to being a freelance dancer mm -hmm. and trying to you know collect your own projects and planning your own gigs and performances and you know yeah. uh, projects how how did that work out this first year and then corona happened yeah um well if i think about myself back in january i was so proud because i had been able to align work until november yeah mm -hmm. so i was busy for a really long time and uh, creating, I had been creating projects, um, making a lot of things happened. And then Corona happened. And I was like, uh, 
Huh. Okay. What is this thing? How long will this thing last? Mm -hmm. I think what that were you doing in that exact moment? I'm so sorry to moment, interrupt. No, I was. It's fine. I happened to be in the Hague, uh, working on a project uh, with at Corso, um, Corso Theater. That's um, a theater in the Hague. So I was at home actually. Um, so thank God I was at home and had to then quarantine or do the sort of lock lockdown we had in Holland, uh, was mild, at home. Mild yeah. Mild lockdown <laughs> was at home with my roommate, which is the person I love the most on the planet. So that was easy. That part was easy, but, um, Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> That's but important. what wasn't was not knowing what was next, because of course, then I look at my friends who are like, yay, don't need to work. Like it's okay because money is still going in. But I was like, okay, I can't work. What does that mean? Um, that means that all my project until August were canceled. So suddenly everything I had worked on so hard for aligning and making happen, uh, canceled or postponed, um, but mostly canceled. And I got really nervous because I was like, okay, financially, I, I'll be fine until then. But what if this continues for another couple months or a whole year, you know? Um, and I think that was the hardest part, not knowing when we can go again, you know, like it's okay, it's easy to wait out things when you have a, a date in mind. Okay, I can wait it out until then, but not knowing was really hard. Um, but I was lucky because halfway through this mild lockdown, we had um, just new projects showed up because other countries uh, opened up um, because uh, rules kept changing. And I ended up getting more work during Corona than I had planned wow. initially, which is such a privileged place to, to, um, to be. And I recognize it, but I'm also very proud and don't want to take it for granted. Um, but I think why is that is that um, small theaters are the ones that will open first, obviously. Because um, uh, reglamentation-wise, um, you can only have a, uh, very little people together in a theater. So I think theaters that can uh, accommodate 50, 100, 150 people um, were the ones who opened first. And uh, those small theaters usually work with uh, freelance-based uh, choreographers and freelance project. So in the end, I ended up being on stage much sooner than my friends in the company because I believe you haven't been on stage yet and will probably won't be for a while. No, it will take another while, I think. <laughs> You're right. Really sorry about that. Oh, no, but, it's okay. We did a video, though. We did yes, a video. Yes, that's true, which I watch and you look great, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, my God. I feel flattered. <laughs> but so, yeah, because of these projects and these smaller theaters, um, I've been creating and performing since uh, June. So I started a new creation in May at Corzo, um, performed in June for 30 people in the audience, mm -hmm. um, but still I mean, got to do live. You know, you, yeah. you, you don't care at that point just to be able that? to share. How was that? It, like the first time you were back on stage, yeah. really intimate or really small audience. It, How did that feel? It was lovely because it felt like priority had changed just to be able to be on stage again and share a live experience with some, some people, no matter how many people were there was just that all that was worth 
more than, oh my God, did I did good? Uh, did I do bad? Was I on my leg? Blah, blah. Um, it was funny to have very little people. It was felt like a general most of the time, but uh, you learn to appreciate, yeah, things differently. Yeah, I'm just going to point out, or maybe uh, for for rookies here, um, you said, <laughs> uh, like it, it felt like a general, like um, maybe elaborate a little bit on that. The term like, general, yeah. yeah. Um, so us dancers in the dance world, we um, associate the, ting- the term general to like um, uh, a rehearse, the last rehearsal that you have before the premiere. So it's really, um, it's the last time you get to try out everything before you have people in the audience. So sometimes like a big audience, like a big audience. So sometimes there's very little people or it's friends of friends or um, yeah, people that are in your company that are watching. So it's a bit less official type of thing. Um, less nerve wracking, let's say. And so you're saying that those performances, just because it was so uh, few people in the audience and you feel like the priorities changed, like it was more about sharing this moment and not so much about, you know, you doing really well as a performer. You, you, you kind of uh, yeah. synchronize it or compared a little bit to the feeling of this general rehearsal. Yeah. But I think the change of priority came from not being able to dance for so long, uh, to perform, to share that experience with them for so long. So then um, it was just like, yeah, I get to be here. So let's, let's worry about the fact that I get to be here and enjoy that. Yeah. And then I was lucky because like, <laughs> right after that, then I moved on to a new creation in Switzerland for this origin festival that was the whole summer and made a new creation there, premiered, had a couple shows, then started a new creation at the same festival with a different choreographer and then premiered and performed again. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty intense actually. And I'm- so You've had uh, like one month or longer in Switzerland working on two different uh, mm-hmm. new, you know, new created pieces that were being performed right then at that moment Uh, and that was just before you traveled to Stockholm now to start staging I did two months in Switzerland and then now I'm in Sweden yeah wow so almost one month per uh, project exactly yeah Yeah. quite fast I remember yeah I remember that that is quite fast actually Mm. how was that for you in terms of your experience did you feel like you had to leave something behind really quickly and move on to the next one? Or was it kind of like almost a natural uh, continuation of what you were doing in the moment? It definitely felt um, like I was leaving something behind because I was also changing the team I was working with. So for a whole month, I'm building something with a team, um, having an awesome time, uh, building a piece that was half acting and half dancing and then next day everybody leaves and then my new colleagues come in and we start something that's entirely different um that's also part of freelancing you say a lot of hellos and a lot of goodbyes really quickly because you're constantly changing um the people and the team you're working with yeah because there's always this little nostalgia (laughs) when there's uh the end of a project yeah yeah totally do you think that that's something uh, you are getting used to or you had to get used to uh, switching from a company where you had been for three years almost you know with the same people I know that new yeah. people come in every time but um, 
people who know me well know that that I'm the most nostalgic soul out there. Um, so I think I'll never get used to to endings. Yeah, but I hope that it my the way I carry them emotionally can can uh, get better or easier. But there's something quite beautiful in yeah feeling that because it shows how much what you're doing you care for it. And, and that thinks of I think it's a very privileged position to really care about the work and what you're doing in your career. Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful. I uh, wanted to jump a little bit back to when you said the first piece you worked on was half theater or theatrical. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm just jumping on it because you mentioned it also to me a while yeah. ago that you were working on monologues and you know like <laughs> using your voice when i said that i was like i'm gonna start a podcast you're like well i'm learning how to use my voice right now and i was like Ooh. Uh, how was how, how was that experience was that something totally new for you or was that something you're like oh i you know i've i've did this i've, I've done this in, in yeah. school or in previous works i've I'm used to using my voice in front of an audience because I would uh, host a lot of performances um, in my school years, but also at NDT, I would be the host for Switch, um, which is the annual performance that is organized by the dancers. So yeah, for the people that have never seen or heard you do that, Ev is an incredible host. <laughs> like, if you need a host to performance, like she's really the one to go to. Call me and I'm freelance now so I can actually show up. <laughs> she can send you that invoice right away. <laughs> exactly. She knows how to do an invoice now. <laughs> um, but we'll no. Talk so, about that later. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I feel very comfortable talking from an audience. But that said, um, there's a difference between being yourself and from an audience and just welcoming them to an event and having to learn texts and monologue and performing it as a different character that's not yours. So that was a challenge, but a very exciting one. Um, it was just so nice to get to do something different. And yeah, that's what I like about my freelance life right now is I'm doing a lot of something different. Um, but yeah, it was a big challenge. Um, but I had a lot of fun with my character. Um, and yeah, in the end, I sort of, it's funny because as a dancer, I get very nervous to dance on stage. But now, like, I didn't even care about the dancing. I was like, I need to get my text right. You know, the the, sh the mindset was somewhere else <laughs> and everything went super well. Yeah. It's again, somehow the shift of priorities, you know, like we realized as a dancer, I think, um, you know, we get so caught up in what we're doing or if you're doing the same thing for a long time or similar stuff, you know, you get really worried and really hard on yourself for these things. But then when you step into like a new world or a new choreographer or a new aspect of what a performance could be, like, as I'm hearing you now, I feel like you've had the experience where your priorities kind of shift. And you're like, oh, the thing that I was nervous for in a dance company, you know, maybe you know comparing myself to other people or pressure that you felt now i'm not worried at all about that i'm actually mm. you know worried about this one thing that's so new to me that yeah. i really don't want to mess up 
Yeah, and I think it's—I mean—it sounds like a beautiful discovery. Yeah, it's a nice journey to go through and noticing these shifts and yeah, shift in priorities and mindsets and obviously there's things that we all go through as dancers, as artists that will never change whether you're in a company or a freelance artist. Um, there's these insecurities that stick from when I was in a company and I still have, but um, new opportunities shows up and um, different ways to deal with them. Would you mind uh, opening up about some of those insecurities if you feel yeah. comfortable with it? Um, I don't know, just because I feel like there is not being talked enough about these things. And I yeah. feel like everyone, you know, experiences these things and we are not talking about them. And of course, we don't need to get really personal if you don't want to. But mm -hmm. I was just wondering if there's something that you're like, or even maybe with the angle of like sharing it with some people that maybe they will mm -hmm. be like, oh, okay, that's a good advice how to deal with it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so one of my, I mean, I have many securities, but one of my big one, um, yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of dancers can relate, but one of my main one is, um, not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, when I don't feel good enough, I get very, um, counterproductive with myself and I really block the energy and get very stubborn and then my focus just shifts on how bad I am to then actually trying to make it happen you know like I'm so focused on like oh I suck this is bad this is not how you should be doing it that there's no place or space or energy left to actually try to find solutions to it um so that's one of my main insecurities um and one that I can share, but maybe I'll want to cut it later. <laughs> it's, you, can, um, you have this choice. To do <laughs> um, I didn't get to dance very much um, in my company life, actually. I didn't, or I didn't get to dance as much as I wanted to. And um, so, and I was told often that you're not ready yet. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough yet. And um, I didn't end up getting the contract for NDT one, and although that's Which is the senior senior company yeah. actually, what you transitioned to if you and get offered the contract. Usually, you look up to when you're in NDT two, you want to enter NDT one, and even though I'm so grateful for the path I'm on, there's a part of you that says, "Oh, you weren't good enough for NDT one," and. Um, now in my career um, or my projects, when I counter difficulties and I find myself not good enough and there's this voice that says like, ah, that's why you didn't make it to NDT1. Mm -hmm. And that voice really negative and counterproductive. Yeah. And it, but hard to, to erase and move forward past. But yeah. I've been very lucky in... Um, having people around me with whom I can share these thoughts and they've either been through it or are going through it. And you, I think it's important to not keep it inside and open up about these insecurities. And yeah, I feel like I was very well surrounded to help my mind 
uh, set change facing um, the situation in the moment it was happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's very brave that you that you want to talk about this. Um, and I'm very grateful for you <laughs> for opening up. And um, yeah. if there's something that I can say, because I've, I've known you now for years and I've danced with you in <laughs> NDT and I, I, I see and I hear what you're saying. And what we often don't focus on is like the really good things that happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I speak out of my own experience. I think it's very common and I see like it's a, it's a pattern. We focus on the things that are negative because we want to improve them. And we often miss the things that are actually really good and are happening. And so what I can say, the things that you learned maybe when you were not performing or when you were not dancing, I feel like they make you such mm-hmm. a rich and beautiful and warm uh, person. You learned so many other things, I feel, at the same time. Yeah. Maybe just because of that. And I'm, I'm, of course, I'm not, you know, comparing stuff, but it's just something that I want to say for the listeners as well, that the way you learn how to communicate, how to teach, how to remember choreography and pass it on to your colleagues, how to be support for your colleagues and observe and learn by watching people. I mean, those are all gifts that you have right now um, that... I just, I think they contribute to the artist that you are. They've definitely shaped me to actually be on the path that I am right now. But also in that state of mind that you're in and um, to finish it on like more op- optimistic note or something that I would recommend to keep in mind that who you are as an artist is not just defined by your capacity to do that one movement that you can't do because exactly you have so many other qualities or attributes that concern the way you move but also just the way you work the way you learn the way you grow the way you are in a rehearsal the way you treat others these are all parts of how good you can be as a dancer or as as an artist and keep that in mind like maybe you can't do that four turn thing on the floor on your knee but there's other worth that you bring to the studio and just remind yourself that yeah that's beautiful and i think i can remind myself more um I, we all can Please. but i mean it's so beautiful to hear it from you also and from your experience because mm-hmm. i think it's just so we we get caught up in the things that we can do which of course is necessary for improvement, but it's so important to remind ourselves what we can do. Yeah. And yeah, like socially, like being support for other people at the same time, it mm-hmm. defines, it It reflects as an artist. It's something that I am learning. I feel like I'm scratching the surface of, of what it means to embody an artist, but also a, a human. Mm-hmm. You know? We're human within this dance world, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, you can be perfectly executing stuff and, you know, have nothing inside happening. Absolutely. I think something that has helped me, though, get calmer as well about these insecurities is that now being a freelance um, artist, 
if you have the chance to have a lot of good connections, when the jobs you get, you get them because the people actually want to work with you, you know, they chose you. So they believe in you right from the start. Um, and I feel like from my experience in the company, I never knew really um, who trusted me. Or I uh, often felt like I needed to prove myself in order to be trusted constantly. And now at least when I enter a working process, I know from the start that the person I'm working with, there's this mutual trust and excitement to work as a unit. Yeah. Mm, so I'm grateful I mean, for that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And do you think it makes you in a way freer as an artist? Because you have not, the first impression is not, I need to prove myself here. Like I need to show what I can do or I'm going to disappoint these uh, people or my colleagues or whatever. Do you feel because of that you step into a process to create something new, a bit more liberated or lighter maybe? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, and definitely more relaxed on also like liberated on who I am as a person within the studio. Yes, me as a dancer, but I feel like there's also the place for me as who I am. And that's also, I think the people who choose to work with me, yes, choose my me because they see the dancer me as part of their work. But also I think it's because you choose people you want to get along well on human level with. And that's the beautiful um, symbiosis when that works. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like you're almost um, being worked with or you enter that space multifaceted. Like it's not just for one version of you that mm. is being used. And you also feel like you can allow all those. Like, I mean, yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like <laughs> you can uh, allow all those sides of you and you yeah. can enter you can enter yeah. the studio with, with those. Yeah. And that's really, that's really beautiful. And it actually makes me excited too take that step to freelancing at some point potentially uh, yeah i feel like i'm really it. trying to sell freelancing right now <laughs> i'm like pushing all the positive parts <laughs> I'll, I'll have to like put a, a disclaimer or something at some point in the episode <laughs> thing like this is not an advertisement for freelancing <laughs> Despite the worldwide outbreak of COVID-19, Ev has had an incredible first year as a freelancer. Planned projects were surprisingly replaced with new, unexpected ones. But that doesn't just happen like that, because I know that Ev thinks ahead, is amazing at networking and leaves a strong impression on everyone she meets. Taking that step into the unknown made her enable multiple sides of herself that she enjoys exploring. Whether it is dancing for a choreographer that believes in her, traveling, assisting, teaching, or networking. I am curious to hear more about her recent experiences in Switzerland, where it seems that the corona crisis slowly made some place for cultural events and numerous dance projects. I, I just wanted to, I want to bring up your head your birthday recently as well yes. while you were in Switzerland. Yes. I was just curious how that went. Were you surrounded by people uh, that you know or were you 
just starting something new with people that you didn't know. Um, yeah, I was lucky because my whole time in Switzerland was with, uh, I happened to be working with people I knew very, very well in both projects. But uh, that said, um, my last performance was right before my birthday and um, I got a back spasm during the show, right at the start of the show. So I had to do the no whole way. show. Yeah, I had to do a whole show um, lifting people with my back spasm. And it was actually quite funny because I die at the end of the piece. <laughs> okay. Like I'm in the hospital bed. That's the piece with acting. Yeah. So I'm dead on the hospital bed, but then I'm supposed to like come back up to like do my final goodbye dance. But I'm with my back spasm, right? On my, the hospital bed. And I try to get up and I can't <laughs> because my back is stuck. And so usually I would like look with my head and then get up. But then I was really stuck. So the only way I could get up was with the straightest back ever. So I had some friends in the audience that night and they're like, wow, Ev, you look like you were a zombie coming back from the dead. just <laughs> getting back up. I wish so, people could see what you were doing right now. I wish. <laughs> imitating it. Like, people need imagination to listen to that part. But yeah. um, Imagine a big wooden plank just lifting with a lot of squeak sounds going on. Like, <laughs> that was me. Um, so obviously oh my, my birthday God. was uh, with a back spasm, couldn't move around. Um, but I had uh, the visit of one of my really good friends. And then... Um, my best friend was also here because he was joining the next project I was going to start. So I was very well surrounded and I got to enjoy the Swiss mountains because the project was in Switzerland, but it was also in the mountains in Switzerland. So that so was jealous. super calming and super grounding, um, which was really nice because right before going to Switzerland, I moved out of my apartment and put everything in storage. So my life is a bit in the limbo right now. I don't really own a place. I don't have home. Um, home is still the Hague, but I don't own any home in the Hague. So it was really surprisingly a surprise and so nice to find a place where I could feel grounded again, even in this uncertain, chaotic uh a bit of my life that I am in. Yeah. yeah. How was how was it in Switzerland? I mean, we don't need to get into crazy technicalities, but how was it with COVID-19 in Switzerland? Like, was it way more open to so the fact that you could perform? Or how was it the situation was, there? It was very interesting because being in the mountains, there's very little people living there. Um, so it's like COVID didn't exist. <laughs> so for two months, I was like, whoa, there's no pandemic going on and I think it's just because yeah COVID hadn't been there um but um obviously the festival was still very careful about um how to deal with the theater and having audience members because they were bringing different groups from different parts of Europe to the city and they wanted to make it safe for the um for the village people <laughs> not that they're village people but <laughs> People in the like village. The residents of the mountains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, the theater was in full capacity. So it was around 125 people instead of 250. And everybody had to wear a mask. So it was quite interesting to, like, do the baths at the end. You just see people with masks. Wow. Um, it's 
yeah, it's sad not to see people's reactions and smiles. Um, a, a, a bit cold to see everybody. Yeah, so impersonal in a mask, but um, still lovely to hear applause and to just have been able to give something to them. Even more during these time where not so much art is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Um, were you able to speak to people after? Like, was there a possibility, or because of COVID, people needed to exit immediately? Um, uh, like, did you was, get some feedback yeah. on the shows, or it was people's um, option, like optional choice? You know, there you could hang out if you wanted, and some people did. Um, some people. Uh, so since I was at the festival the whole summer, I got to see every single company pass by. So I saw a lot of shows this summer, actually. Every week I would be watching and a lot of the audience's member just came and see every show. So every yeah. time we would talk after, like, oh, what about this one? Did you like it? Um, and yeah, people are just thrilled um, to be able to see art and especially people who live in that area who don't, I think they're very grateful for the Origin Festival because they don't have to travel to Zurich or to big cities to see art. Art they, The festival makes art um, available and accessible for them right where they live in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds amazing. Did it comfort you that you could, in a way, do those creation processes with very little impact of the pandemic? Or did it was it kind of the opposite effect that you were worried because you knew kind of in the rest of the world, things were at that time pretty bad still, although it was summer, things started to open up again. But like, how yeah. did you feel about that um, kind of gap almost between what you were doing and where you were and what was going on? Or did it not cross your mind once? I think it was just a bit confusing because it felt like we were in a different bubble in a different world. Um, and you quickly adapt to that bubble in that world and oh everything's okay i can touch my partner here um we can dance together as a group um there's very little social distancing i think um i was just yeah reminding myself of how lucky i am every day and by keeping in touch with people from my family in Canada and people across Europe, my friends and seeing their situations just made me feel even more fortunate to do the work and go to work every day and really give my 150 attention and heart into what I was doing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's an interesting time to do these yeah. things. Absolutely. And like even us in the company right now are very slowly only starting to, you know, touch people, you know, doing more mm -hmm. uh, partner work. But it's, you know, we live in a city, so people can catch it going, going to a grocery store Absolutely. or sitting on the tram or train next to someone. So I get it that in a way you were almost so isolated that. Exactly. I didn't see anybody else than the five people I was working with were like, the whole time I was there. Um, but I know um, from talking to different friends and different companies and from working right now in a ballet company with, I have 40 or 46 dancers in the studio and it's very 
tricky to to deal this yeah this corona this pandemic in our uh, artistic world in our because yeah we're trying our best to um have restrictions and be clean within the studio but then people leave the studio people are not at work always and when the city um has different let's say less rules because sweden is very very open people are out in restaurants there's yeah. uh, on the beach they look like a bunch of walruses on a cliff all packed one beside each other i've never seen that before but i was yeah, very surprised and it's like oh i know that dance companies are making so much effort to offer a healthy environment to their dancers but then it's not the case necessarily in the outside world and i think it must be such um a hard job to be a director right now in a company and have to deal with this whole situation yeah yeah i think we cannot imagine how much how much it takes right now to deal with all of those you know government uh rules but then also you know every city or like province has its own rule like it's i mean Absolutely. there's also no precedent you know it's it's new to the whole world trial but, and error yeah. yeah it's been also interesting how maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit as well how when it happened at first this kind of lockdown at the same t similar time for the whole world mm -hmm. almost that you feel connected in a different way and you i mean for me it was like I had time to connect with my family or with people that maybe I didn't hear for a while or like I realized like I want to talk to my brother more and suddenly like everything was paused for a yeah. second Before and it makes you yeah and it makes you realize a lot of things that you don't think about when you were going like non-stop and maybe for you because you were kind of managing your projects and then a lot of canceled and then you got new yeah. projects I don't know if you really felt this uh big like pause um for a but while if you did definitely. how did that how did that feel the Can pause was very um yeah surprising um but i was really moved by how the dance community came together during that that pause especially um because everything was stopped but there was this eagerness from dancers to keep training to keep evolving and classes online became a thing and then suddenly you could be in the netherlands and take a class with someone in australia and in canada by a dancer a teacher that's giving the class in new york and there's 600 other people in that class um but it's a teacher that you would never get to to experience before that so there was yeah um an opening of opportunity i think that was created um through that lockdown in the dance community really trying to make things happen together and to stay creative together and a lot of initiatives came out of it so yeah i was really impressed by everything that came out of it um yeah. i was lucky because um my roommate at the time was also so a dancer well he's a dancer but um it really helped to keep in shape <laughs> um <laughs> because then we need to motivate ourselves to do our workouts every day and uh do some improv and yeah keep going um but um 
I think if I would have been in a different situation, if I was had lived alone um, in a country that I didn't feel comfortable in or that job yeah, was canceled entirely, I didn't have anything to look up to, it would have been a very, very hard time. But instead, um, I, ref- <laughs> I looked back at it at a time where I could hang out on my balcony <laughs> with sun and a great company. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. I mean, it sounds like because you were maybe surrounded by, you know, another dance, you kind of, um, you held on to that routine a little bit more of, yeah. you know, not falling into like a deep, yeah, dark Yeah, it was important to recreate a routine to not go into that hole. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's applicable to almost like every human being that had to completely lock down or, or mild lockdown or whatever you want to call it, like, I feel like, but it's interesting realization as well that we get lost if we have no sense of routine. If suddenly like you don't need to wake up to go to work and you don't need to immediately have breakfast and and you don't need to... I wear my pajamas all day. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but it's also like, it's interesting to then realize that, okay, then then what what, what do you do? Like, how do you go on from here? Um, I definitely had some weird, like, um, shifts during that time yeah. as well like started very like oh this is amazing like uh, I can do what I wanted to do for so long now mm-hmm. you know because I'm not dancing I'm not rehearsing every day but then after a couple of weeks I really started feeling okay yeah. like where like where is my purpose where mm-hmm. is my like I, I started feeling lost and I that, that was a hard time for me makes sense as well I think though um because I've been freelancing for a couple months when COVID happened, I already had this, um, gotten used to making my own schedule, making my own routine and not dancing full days and filling my time up with different things. Um, so I think that definitely helped, um, the transition into lockdown, if we can put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I see. No, that makes a lot of sense. It wasn't like a big, drop everything i mean that's kind of what i figured because you were already like i mean stuff was canceled and but you are got new opportunities at the same mm-hmm. time um yeah but and, i think my the big challenge was to um you know like when you're facing and you have your face to not having a job as a freelancer you need to make things happen um and that's your challenge to make things happen. And now sometimes making things happen wasn't an option anymore because, okay, you could reach out to as many choreographers or collaboratives that you want. Work was not happening because art, the, the art world was not, was on pause. So lockdown for me was also learning how to let things happen, not make things happen. I'm a doer. So that was really hard to just, whatever's going to happen and learn to trust it. And good thing I did. <laughs> because yeah, it I mean, out great. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that was an interesting thing for you to learn as well. Like um, kind of, I mean, I, I know you're not the person to like sit and wait for stuff to happen. Um, but I mean, you were so fortunate that people actually did contact you and, you know, you were reached out to and you did this whole journey in Switzerland. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I, I'm gonna almost uh, wrap up, but I have uh, I have one more question I want to get back to. Um, 
because you said you were like in limbo right now, your life. Yes. yes. And I just, I don't know, I just think maybe it's a funny thing to elaborate a little bit on um, before we wrap up because people are like, okay, like, what does that mean? Like, you, like you don't have a, you don't have a house. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. like, where are you, where are you dancing? And connecting to that question, like, how do you look to the future? Like, if you, what are your aspirations? That's kind mm -hmm. of two questions in one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, by limbo, I mean that uh, two months ago I put my things in storage um, and will not be going back to The Hague for another month. So when I packed two months ago, I was packing for three months of uh, job hopping from going to apartment that was uh, from accommodation from the projects to accommodation. And, yeah, just living in my suitcase in a sense. And um, The next time I go to The Hague, I'm not going back to The Hague to home. I'm going back to The Hague to having to redefine home. Because um, home for me for three years was with this very um, uh, dear friend to my heart, Tone. And now we've gone in separate ways, which is exciting for both of us. But um, I'm in a state of not knowing what defines home anymore and what is home. So I think. I look forward to discovering it as it goes. Um, but I also look forward to, yeah, every single project that I have coming up in the next year, because um, they're all projects I truly, really want to do. But also look forward to all the surprises that, um, the positive surprises that can come with um, the freelance path. Um, because You really, really never know what can show up, who can call, um, who can email you at the last minute. You can't even start imagining, imagining the possibilities. And then one day to the other, this is happening and that's where you're going next. And um, freelancing can be a roller coaster, but so, so the lows can be lows, but the highs are really, really high and exciting. And I look forward to having many other highs. Um, I think that's, excitement. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful note uh, to end on. Um, thank you so much for squeezing this in in your yes. staging, <laughs> in your experience staging a new work uh, yeah. for the first time. I'm really grateful that you made the time to do that. It was lovely to talk to you. Well, um, always lovely to talk to you. Truly. I always I, I would offer you know I if you were here I would offer you like a piece of fresh cake or anything like Lovely. that's kind of what I'm doing uh, for yeah. my guests but you are welcome to come over for dinner uh, once you're back thank you and for people listening know that Yessa will absolutely uh, invite me for dinner he will stick <laughs> to his promise because he's that type of guy <laughs> which I look forward to obviously and good luck with the rest of your podcast Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's also a new new journey for me. Yes. So um, yeah, we'll we'll be in touch. Um, and thank you so much. I'll see you thank soon. You. Sending love. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's conversation on Face to Face. Whether it was your first time listening or you've been a diehard follower since the release only a couple of weeks ago, thank you. 
If you don't want to miss the next episode, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other streaming services. And feel free to spread the word in your surroundings to anyone you think might be interested. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope to catch you next time.